Greetings, collectibles. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Winter Day. I hope you're safe and warm. No heater problems, no plumbing problems as we get to feel the true temperatures and happenings of, of a winter day. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 10 today, looking at the first four verses. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris. We'll pause there and, and get into the next section, Lord willing, next week. We see the section on the just the spiritual warfare that's going on behind the scenes. But there are probably five or six other truths that we can glean out of the 10th chapter of, of Daniel that I think we should consider. Maybe we overlook many times, such as Daniel's prayer. We know him to be a great prayer warrior that he prayed and called a prayer meeting in chapter 1, chapter 6, certainly his prayer that led him to be thrown into the lion's den, chapter 9, his, his prayer of repentance for himself and for Israel. In chapter 10, we basically find him praying again. We could, we could look at just the, the phrase there and in the first verse about the word being true. Verse 21, the angel says that he's going to tell Daniel what's in the book of truth and just how God's word is, is true. Or we might look at the, at the truth announced to Daniel that he's a man greatly loved and how God loves each and one of us on a, on a personal basis. But let's consider today, what, what was Daniel doing for three weeks? thing that might pop to mind or catch your eye at first is verse 3, when he says that he ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered his mouth. He didn't anoint himself at all with, with oil for three weeks. If we consider eating basic, plain food just enough to, to get us by maybe as a, as a sort of a uh, semi-fast, that might get our attention as much as we like food. But don't skim over what Daniel says he was actually doing there in verse 2. He said, I was mourning for three weeks. Have we lost that concept of 
mourning or lament in our society. When was the last time that we spent time lamenting over circumstances, situations, events? And when was the last time we did as Daniel does, and that is taking those concerns and laments to the Lord? Daniel spent 21 I mean, yeah, 21 days lamenting. Have I spent 21 minutes? Have I spent 21 seconds truly mourning and lamenting? Why was Daniel mourning for these 21 days? Verse 1 kind of gives us the first clue. It says, this is the third year of Cyrus king of Persia, when this word, this vision is revealed to Daniel. What's significant about the, the third year of, of Cyrus, king of Persia? Well, you get a lot of the answer from the book of Ezra, where we read in the first verse that Cyrus had made a decree that Israel could go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. We won't read the whole, we won't read Ezra 1 through 4, but if you get this time, have any time this week while you're inside avoiding that winter chill, go look at the first four chapters of Ezra and, and see what's going on. Cyrus said you could go back, but when they go back, they, they run into opposition that we find just the discouragement of those who, who returned to Jerusalem. They'd set up the altar and begun making sacrifices. But chapter 3 says they were afraid because of the people of the land. And then they delayed putting down the foundation for the temple and finally got around to doing that and the opposition rose up again. The adversaries of, of Israel began to complain. They took their complaints to the, to the king, and we find from, from Ezra, Haggai, Nehemiah, that they were really re delayed in rebuilding the, the temple for about 15 years. Now, of course, Daniel is not talking about the 15th year. He's just talking about two years after Cyrus decrees that they can go back, that things aren't going very well. And he's mourning. He's lamenting over the condition of the, the covenant nation, Israel. But what else might he might have led to Daniel's discouragement or his lament. Maybe even uh, just, just feeling like, like he was alone. He's, he's still in Babylon under the rule of the, the Persians now. He sees this conflict and opposition against 
God and God's people. But when does that happen? Verse 4 gives us the exact time of the year. He said, on the 24th day of the first month. What was significant about the first month? If you turn back to Leviticus 23, you'll see that on the 14th day of the first month, Israel was to remember, celebrate the Passover, God's deliverance from the death angel there in, in, in Egypt. And then on the 15th day for a week, they celebrated the feast of, of unleavened bread as they commemorated leaving Egypt quickly and swiftly that Pharaoh said they can, they can leave. And they didn't have time to make bread in a normal way, so the, the bread was unleavened. One of the, the three main high holy days and feasts of, of, of Israel, of the Jewish people, that they remembered how God had rescued his people. But Daniel's mourning and lamenting, they can't, celebrate Passover as they had generations before. The people who have gone to rebuild the temple are uh, facing opposition, hatred, conflict, turmoil. And he spends three weeks mourning and lamenting just the state of affairs, the, the conditions the people are, of Israel are facing. In Ezra, we also read how when they laid the foundation for the temple, there was a great cheer and happiness, but there was also a, a great cry of, of lament. The prophet Haggai kind of explains more of that, of are you concerned with the, in Haggai 2, he asks, are you concerned with the size of the temple? Is it nothing in your sight? And then Haggai brings a word from the Lord that says, this latter temple, the glory of this latter house will be greater than the former temple, though it's smaller, because God's going to fill it with his glory. So it will be, it will be greater Daniel is, is mourning all of those things. They're not celebrating Passover. The rebuilding the temple is facing opposition, even persecution. Do we have the same feelings of lament and mourning in our culture today? Do we have the same feelings of lament and mourning in our churches today. The writer of the 42nd Psalm in verse 9 of Psalm 42, he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? And why are you in tur turmoil within me? 
Was Daniel feeling that same turmoil and oppression and a, and a feeling of forgottenness in his, his life there in Babylon? At two years after Cyrus had said, the people can go back and rebuild the temple. But I think Daniel ends up where the psalmist ends up in the, in the last sentence of verse 11. He says, Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. That Daniel's already seen over and over in these visions that God is in control, that God has a plan. The temple will be rebuilt. Jerusalem will be rebuilt, but it's in a time of, of trouble and hardship, and that ultimately it leads to the coming of the Messiah. Psalm 42, you may be familiar with the, with the first verse, first couple of verses, where he began by saying, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 42 and 43 are sort of uh, connected, they're separate, but it's, it, it's a song, the singer's lamenting his, his circumstances connected with the, the enemies that despise God. This is, I should have accredited this or given credit, this is from the ESV study Bible where the, the study note says that he's lamenting his circumstances connected with enemies who despise God and oppress His faithful servants, which keeps Him from attending worship at the central sanctuary. Singing and corporate worship would especially foster a sense of yearning and expectation in the faithful so that they would learn to attend worship looking for God's presence, to mourn any circumstances that prevent them from attendance, and to count their attendance as worship as a great gift from God. We've spent the last 11 months battling the coronavirus, COVID-19. Have we gotten used to it? Have, have we gotten used to the change in our, in our lives? Or have, has it led us to mourning our inability sometimes, our situation of not being able to worship publicly with brothers and sisters in the family of God? Or have we just gotten used to it? David talks about that thirst for God in Psalm 63. He says, O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands." Do we, do we long for those days when we can all be back together 
do, do we mourn the fact that many feel the need to stay away? Do I, do I lament and, and pray to the Lord that the vaccines will be easily available, that this virus will be, will be shut down, will be stopped, so that all those who really probably wisely should avoid crowds and, and public gatherings, but does it, does it bother me that so many feel uncomfortable? Does it bother me to where I would pray and mourn for three weeks like Daniel has, has prayed? In that last week of his life, after the triumphal entry, in Matthew 23, verse 37, find Jesus. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under our, her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. But I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That, that we found Jesus mourning over Jerusalem and her, her rejection of the Messiah promised in the book of Daniel. Promised to King David. Promised to Moses, to Abraham. And when the Messiah finally came, Israel rejected her Messiah. Do we mourn for those around us who are lost? Do we spend 21 days mourning those in our family who do not know Christ as their Savior? Do we spend 21 minutes a day or a week or a month mourning and and lamenting those who are still dead in their sin, those who haven't found and received Jesus as their Savior. There are many words used in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, for mourning, for lament. It can be just the mourning, the sorrow for death, But it can also be a mourning and sorrow for sin, for condoning it, or grief for those in a local church who haven't shown uh, repentance for evil that was committed. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. He says, for I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over those who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. Do we mourn the condition of the covenant body, of the church? 
of the sinful acts that are going to be a headline in the newspaper of, of pastors that have fallen, of churches that have split, of, of racism still in the, in the church in the 21st century? Do we mourn for those things? Earlier in the same letter to the Corinthians, the second Corinthians, Paul had said that a godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation. Chapter 7 there in 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 5, he says, For even when I came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforts us by the coming of Titus, not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For even if I had made you grieve with my letter, an earlier letter that Paul had written, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that no suffering, no loss through us, so that you suffered no loss through us. Paul even talks about a mourning or a grieving for sin. That was what Daniel was doing in chapter 9 when he read in the word, in the prophet Jeremiah's word regarding the 70 years that Israel would return to to it to the promised land. And Daniel mourned then as he sought the face of the Lord in prayer with fasting sackcloth and ashes and he repented for himself and his nation. Do we grieve and mourn over the sin of our nation? True, we're not a covenant nation in the sense that Israel was, but I think it's still a good thing that we, when we grieve and mourn, over the sins of our nation, but even more so when we grieve and mourn over the sins within the church. Does it bother us or are our hearts hardened? Do we look the other way? Do we grieve and mourn when a pastor falls because of immorality? Do we grieve and mourn when a church splits because of a small difference, sometimes in not even over a true voting issue? Daniel spent three weeks mourning and grieving. And I don't think he would have stopped praying after three weeks. But there in chapter 10, verse 5, he said, I lifted up my eyes and I looked and behold, a man clothed in linen. God sent him the answer to his prayers. I think if that glory man had been delayed even longer, Daniel would have been praying for six weeks, for nine weeks, for 12 weeks, for however long it took. He knew that God has his own timetable 
that God heard his prayer just like he had in chapter 9 while he was speaking that God knew Daniel's prayer before they were even on his lips. So ask yourself, when was the last time I spent time lamenting over these things, praying over these things, lifting them up to the Lord? Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonable be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made to, known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Take everything to the Lord. Yes, we should be concerned. Yes, there is a reason to mourn and lament over COVID-19. But don't stop there. Look into, I should look into my own heart and mourn and lament my sinfulness and repent of my sin. But also lift up our churches, our pastors, our deacons, our denomination, but also lift up our nation during these times of conflict and turmoil. Father, we thank you that you hear our prayers, that you're faithful to forgive our sins if we will only confess them. God, just give us time to truly reflect on who you are, who we are, our sinfulness. God, give us time to lament and mourn that turmoil and opposition that we face even in this land of the free and home of the brave, but also for those in other nations, those nations where believers in Jesus Christ are persecuted. God, let us not be so self-absorbed that we forget them, but that we lift up them in prayer to you each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.